This podcast is brought to you by AD Cook Music, dedicated to excellence in music performance, composition, and production. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Witten Radio Podcast. Today, we are going to be defining, Sean, I'm going to need that list of words. We are going to be defining different words. Um, Dang it. That are both known secularly as being changed from the biblical sense. So, um, we have a vast number of people, so I'm not going to go through everyone's name. But, um, there are going to be some voices you've heard before from our last episode and voices you haven't. Okay, so first off, we're going to start off with the word love. Can someone please define it secularly? True love. Don't be shy. Come on, Pitt. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay, so if I had to define love secularly, it would be... Um, a lot of it, I would say, would be based on what society sees like celebrity love or something like that. It's just, I guess... Based in financial, you know, means so like if a man loves a woman, he buys her rings or he buys her clothes or he buys her this and that and whatever, you know. And right, and I'm not really sure, you know, how culture says or you know, worldly how women show love to men, but from a man's perspective, that's how I see society portraying it is that if you love a woman, you buy her things you that's pretty much the way i see it from society okay anybody else have an idea is that kel yep kelsey um from a woman's perspective i think a lot of it like they think love is a feeling uh and how like how happy a guy makes her feel um and to me, secularly, I think it all boils down to being a feeling. But that's really it. All right. Anybody else have an idea? If is that if, uh, Justin? Kind, okay. Kind of, kind of another thing that I think secularly love is is a way for, and I would say more on the guy's side than the girl's side, but a way to kind of get what you want. Um. Secularly, when when a guy tells a girl that he loves her, more often than not, he has no idea what he's talking about. He's just he he wants something out of it more than what he's currently getting, whether that be financially, intimately, whatever the case may be. It's it's become something more of a well, I'm gonna say this to you, and then you're gonna give me more. Whether it's true or not, I, I think he's right because, like, most of the time when a man says, "Hey, I, I love you," uh, it's at a moment where he is. Uh, how do I say this? Honorary. Looking, looking for fleshly pursuits. Right, right, right. He's uh, pursuing, pursuing uh, his own selfish desires, and that he uses that as a um, 
a stepping block to get what he wants and what his fleshly desires want. Uh, yeah, um, y'all are going to kind of think of me as a nerd when I say this, but one of as a psychology major one of the things i one of the favorite things that i learned that made total sense to me was uh there's a term in psychology called relationship equity in what in which uh partners will assess uh uh what they're getting out of the relationship and they that determines the amount of love that they feel in there so like if you have a woman who thinks that oh well he's not listening to me enough or he's not spending enough time with me then she thinks that she's not getting enough return for her investment basically vice versa for the men the men are like oh she's just nagging me all the time so they feel like they're not getting enough return for their investment so if you kind of it's kind of sad looking at it like that but um if if you look at it that way that kind of describes relationships of very much people see it as a business transaction sometimes in an emotional sense all right well i think we've hit <laughs> hit the nail on hit the nail on the head yeah hit the nail on the head for the secular definition so let's dive into the actual biblical definition well uh scripture says god is love so in a sense love can be defined as god and how he showed that for us as Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, there was an action. So love has to be an action also. A sacrificial love like God gave us. Uh, agape is what they call it. Um, it is that God gave his son so that we could be called children of God. And he did that while we were opposed and against him. And that's the most beautiful thing about it. It's we didn't have to do something. He loved us first. It says that we love him because he first loved us. And that's what real love is. All right. Anybody else have any opinion? Uh, yeah. One thing that uh, Pastor David uh, was actually talking about today um, was how love is consistent. So um, how God has unconditional love for us. Um, you know... It doesn't matter how much we sin, um, because we are all sinners, and there's nothing we can do about that. But no matter how much we do sin, God's love for us will never change. That that's that is true love because it's unconditional. It's not going to change no matter what. Yeah, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, it's kind of like God doesn't expect a return for His investment. True. I, I mean, he expects obedience, but it's not like there's nothing that we can really do to return that type of investment. I mean, he gave his life for us, and there's really no true way that we can fully, you know, repay that debt. So, God, God being like Josiah said, God being love, that is the ultimate definition of love. Um, there is absolutely no way we can repay him, and yet he still sacrificed us, even though we could never pay him back. All right, anybody else have any anything? All right, let's move. We're going to move on to another word on our list here. Um let's go backwards. Let's try let's do the biblical definition of faith first. So, how would we define faith biblically? If you want somebody 
absolute trust in the things that are not seen. And that's exactly what Hebrews says. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what's not seen. Okay. Um, not saying that's there it is. So there's the biblical definition. Um, but how would, how would, just like we talked about in the last episode, how would a secular humanist type of person look at faith? Uh, believe Josiah, you were, you have a, you have a uh, pretty good story about when you were in, was it philosophy? You and you and both you and Joshua both had a uh, experience with a philosopher like that. Uh, care to share just a little bit about that one? Uh, yeah. Um, the way he uh, viewed faith, a little bit different than a lot of other atheists or just secular people. Um, see, he he really saw faith as to whom his own, you know, or just, oh, if that's what you believe, that's cool, do that. Uh, just, that's not me. Um, but he said one time that if you are not willing to challenge your faith or you can't ask yourself the hard questions or if you can't come to the fact that you have to, you have to compromise your own faith and then take the step after that to have true faith, then it's not true faith. So, I guess a lot of people today see faith as automatically, if you say the word faith, they think religion. And they're just polar opposites almost. Religion is of man. Religion is... A crooked organization most of the time and faith is faith is what it's all about if you don't have faith you don't have nothing if you don't have love you have nothing I mean but just the fact that so many people nowadays say they're Christian say they have faith say that that's their religion but they never can answer the simplest question and they can never ask themselves the hard questions they just ignore and keep going and say, oh, yes, I have faith, but they're not willing to do anything about it. Yeah, I totally agree with what Josh was saying. Um, you know, the, when you say the word faith now, people think of religion, whether you're religious, you are Islamic, or you're Christian, or you're this, that, or the other. And they, you know, if you're an atheist, you're above faith. Basically, you have reason. You don't need faith. But, I mean, I, I saw this little cartoon thing on an Answers in Genesis magazine, and I thought it hit the nail right on the head. If you're a humanist or an atheist or whatever, you have just as much faith in your belief system than any other type of religion there is. Uh, the the cartoon had showed this Christian um, witnessing to this atheist, and so the atheist was like, so you're telling me that if I don't believe in your God, then I'm going to live in a fiery pit in hell. And he's like, yeah, so you got to believe in God. You have to have faith. And he's like, oh, I have faith. I have faith and I have hope that your God doesn't exist. So they ha they put just as much faith in their belief that there is not a God, and they're hoping beyond ho hoping with the greatest hope that they can and believing that there is no God because then they can live their life and um, not have to worry about the consequences later. So that's what they choose to put their faith in. 
Uh, and also, um, going off of what both uh, Ashley and Joshua said, um, when you're talking about biblical faith, what true faith is, uh, you can't ignore action. Um, because if you have faith, then it's not hard to sacrifice because you know God will take care of you. Um, when the Bible, as Josiah was talking about in Hebrews uh, 11, when the Bible um, talks about people of great faith, um, Abraham and uh, all these people, especially Abraham, he's the famous one, he took an action to show his faith. All right, People always say they have faith, but they never do anything to show it. And so then you ask the question, how do you know you have faith? You know, you don't have any faith because you're not willing to take any action to show it. You're not willing to sacrifice for God or for a brother or sister in Christ. Good points all around. Um, okay, well, we've kind of segued sort of kind of into the next um, the next uh, word we're going to define here. We, this is actually a, it's a twofer. Um, we've got religion and church. Um, I think Justin's going to kick this one off. Are we going to go secular or biblical first? Uh, let's go secular. Secular? Secular. Let's go secular. All right. Um, secularly, let, I, I'm going to kind of break it up into two parts. Uh, first part, I'm going to go ahead and go with church. Uh, secularly, church is typically a gathering of people in a building, and that's that's all that church consists of. Uh, it, it's not... This is so hard to do without without giving the biblical definition. <laughs> uh, but church church is church is seen as this place, kind of more of a social club uh, to to some people in the world than than actually coming and building your brothers and sisters up, talking about what you've got going on, um, and, and that makes it very difficult to get people to come into a church. Uh, as far as religion. That is seen as some people. Some people that I've heard have have thought of it more of a tradition than uh, than something that you practice. Because most, at least in the South here, most people say that, "Oh yes, I'm a Christian and I'm Baptist," and you ask them, "Well, why is that?" Well, because I was brought up in a Baptist church, and my mom and dad go to a Baptist church, so therefore I'm a Baptist. And it's, it, once again, it makes it very difficult to bring people into uh, what you're trying to do. Because they, they see it as, oh, well, this is just a tradition. There's nothing coming from it. There's no action. There's no physical evidence of anything that you're saying. Um, for like a secular reason, a lot of people think church is just a bunch of brainwashed people that come and do the same routine for years and years to get themselves in a good feeling to do community work or whatever. And they don't really see the real point of church or coming and fellowshipping with other people because they don't look at it in the biblical way. They just go throughout their week, come to church go to Sunday morning service, go home, do the same thing over for 40, 50 years, die, and then that's it. They don't see the real point of it, and they're really missing out. And it's 
it's not that way at all. You have to look at it from the true and biblical perspective, and a lot of people miss out on that. And I think that's, uh, I think, a job for us true Christians to really show the people that don't see it that way. Just show them the truth in that. All right. What what is it? What is it biblically? Uh, um, church biblically, it's not the building. It's not the place. It's it's much more than that. It's the people. It's not the gathering. It's the people. We are we are God's church together, and religion. It's not biblical. Religion's not biblical at all. Religion's sending people to hell by the minute. And religion, as Justin said, is traditional and not biblical. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? All right. Well, uh, in that case, let's we're going to move on to the next one here. Uh, I actually, Andrew, I, I'm sorry. Uh, some something else on biblically for church. I uh, as I was kind of trying to get to when I was telling secular of church. But everybody, a lot of people see it as just a bunch of people coming in and reading the Bible, but then as soon as they walk out of that door, they're completely different than when they were in that building. Uh, and that's that's where the, the majority of people feel that we're hypocrites, because we, we come in, we read, we say, oh yeah, you're not supposed to do this, this, or this, and then you walk out the door, and that's what people see as church. They don't see the coming together of two or three people to worship or to take care of problems. All right. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, all right, well, that's actually a really good segue into the next um, the next one we're going to talk about here. Uh, what happened? Oh, okay. Um, technical difficulties. But uh, so what we're segueing into now is uh, marriage and intimacy. And I've, I find it really cool that Justin brought up the um, the fact that people consider Christians as hypocrites because we, we always tell you what we're against and all that good stuff. And we typically, most Christians like to change the way they are whenever they leave the the building uh, or the congregational body. But, uh, so, speaking on that nature, uh, let's talk about the biblical definition of both intimacy and marriage. Who would like to go first? Uh, I'll, take, I'll take a stab at intimacy. All right, let's go for it. Uh, it Intimacy is in, in in the Bible. It is not. Uh, it's not so much the physical intimacy that the world thinks about. Uh, intimacy is more about learning everything there is to learn about somebody. Uh, I mean, you can have intimacy with your brothers. You can have intimacy with your sisters. With your sisters and brothers in Christ. I mean, you can have it with your regular brothers and sisters, too. Uh, <laughs> but it it's about getting to know everything about that person, knowing the ins and outs of that person, knowing exactly what makes that person tick. 
and uh, I, I think the the biggest part of intima- in, intimacy that that people forget about is that intimacy with God. Uh, you you have to make it a relationship, not just a, oh hey, I'm gonna come to you when I need something and hope that you give it to me. But I'm never gonna talk to you any other time. Uh, so intimacy is that constant growing of a friendship or of a relationship. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I think marriage and it's kind of a tough one for us because we're all college students. We're all, you know, some of us have boyfriends and girlfriends, but none of us are truly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Andrew just got a girlfriend, so everybody, yay, Andrew! But Woo! <laughs> fanfare. <laughs> really excited about that, but <laughs> but uh, so but none of us are in a real true serious commitment i mean yeah boyfriend and girlfriend you can you can say you're committed to each other but that's not true commitment until you say your vows basically um but i i think that's uh marriage marriage um see in today's time it has got i think that's one that's gotten really screwed up yeah i mean yeah we're all christians here so you know we're gonna bring it up and talk about it but you know traditional marriage versus the modern marriages that they're trying to force on people today um it's it, it kind of gets screwed up and you know some people say well we're just haters but there's an actual reason why marriage is the way it is because it means more to christians than just shacking up it's it's a it's a definition and it's a demonstration of our faith uh it it talks about the church being the bride of Christ and the union between Christ and the people and it just it's it's a lot more beautiful than just two people saying hey we're going to be partners for the rest of our life it means so much more and uh as a college student who's only you know who has not had a you know a whole lot of romantic experience that's what it means to me and i don't know well you know, when most people hear the word marriage, what it means in, you know, for the most part is when two people want to publicly say that they are married and it's recognized by some governing authority other than God. Biblically, marriage is supposed to be symbolism, as Ashley alluded to, to what Christ did for his body, the church. Um... It says that a man will leave his mother and father, and he his wife will cleave and be one flesh. Um, just as Christ left his home, just as Christ left his home uh, with his heavenly father and came down to be with us, even though we didn't accept him, we would later become uh, his bride and we would return to heaven with him. So it's supposed to be symbolism for a man should lay down his life for his wife to sacrifice everything just as Jesus sacrificed everything for his church. All right. Any other comments or thoughts or anything? Well, uh, nobody really hit on what, I I guess it was kind of hit on a little bit, but the secular definition of intimacy. All right. Well, let's let's hit it. You did did a bit. 
Uh, I, go go ahead. Well, well, I mean, it kind of goes along with the whole definite, the worldly definition of love. Intimacy is just a, a way for people to, exp, you know, try to get that. It's it's a it's a way for them to try and manufacture what. Okay, I'm about to if you just want to hold on, but it's a way for people to manufacture <laughs> manufacture that feel good feeling of love. You know, they think that if they become that close with somebody sexually, there you go. <laughs> if they become if they if they are able to bring that guard down and, you know, do that if they can be that close with somebody then well they you must love each other if you can be that close when that's not what it means at all intimacy is you know my dad has said several times into me see you and justin said earlier it's knowing every single facet and crevice and nook and cranny in their mind and everything what i mean it, it is it's knowing everything about that person all the deep dark secrets all the it's knowing absolutely everything the likes the dislikes everything um, intimacy it's knowing every single part of that person and not just physically all right um we're all still 12 it's good um we're all immature all right well uh <clears throat> i think that's a good uh uh segue point um that's a good segue point um <laughs> we can have plenty we could definitely have plenty um all right, uh, so if you were to be walking down the street and some dude goes, hey, man, I'm the most spiritual person you'll ever meet. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, bro. I'm spiritual. What does that mean? I saw another cartoon about that one. I, I, if, whoever would like talking to the microphone would be so I can hear here. it. Ashley, here we go. I saw I read a lot, so I saw another cartoon on this one. It uh, it was a picture of a little girl, and she it was she was saying, "Oh, you say you're spiritual. Well, the demons believe in God, so they're obviously spiritual. So what does that make you?" So I think that kind of just says enough for me. All right, J Justin, would you like to like to uh, spirit in? spiritual kind of? I guess the way that I think about it is people that really have no idea what they're looking for or placing their hope and faith in. It's just kind of a, well, I don't want to give you an answer of, yeah, I don't believe in anything, and I just, I, I'm, I'm a heathen. So I'm going to go ahead and say I'm spiritual because that'll make me sound better in your eyes. And, uh... Someone, someone being spiritual, and with us, we find it a lot. A lot of people on college campuses are spiritual. And it's more so they, they've never been, either they've never been introduced to, or they have just chosen to completely disregard anything that is biblically centered. Okay. Uh, anybody else have anything on the secular definition? No? All right, let's move into the biblical definition of being a spiritual person. It looks as though Sean is giving me the, oh, I think I know what I'm talking about, so. <laughs> uh, from a biblical perspective, us as Christians, 
we have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I wouldn't call myself spiritual by having the Holy Spirit. I would call myself a believer in Jesus Christ that has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. But um, I would, if you wanted to call it spiritual, I guess you in a way could. But it's different than saying in a secular perspective, oh, I'm spiritual. Having the Holy Spirit is having him, the Holy Spirit, guide you throughout your life and following the steps and doing what he wants you to do to give glory back to him. And that's the most important thing. Being spiritual in a secular perspective is not important at all, but having the Holy Spirit is everything. Good. Anybody else have any idea that they want to share? <laughs> Nick, Nick, you're holding the mic like you want to. Oh, yeah, ditto. D- ditto? Okay. That that was an intelligent statement. All right. Um, There we go. Uh, Josiah, uh, please, please continue with whatever you think you're Well, after Nick did, I don't know if I can follow up. I don't know if you can follow up with Ditto, man. I I don't get it. I I think Sean said it pretty well. Um, We are spiritual. We have our spirit. And our spirit testifies with his spirit being the Holy Spirit, as Roman says. Um, We are spiritual. Every human's a spiritual being. We all have our spirit, our soul, however you want to look at it. Um... And that is really what is us. That's the part of us that lives on after this world's long gone. You're going to live 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 years here. But eternity is where your spirit goes. And that's the part of us that's more real than any of this. If in, if you want to look at it that way, this is what the fake is. The tangible is what fake is. And the real world is actually the spiritual realm. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. All right, well, uh, if anyone else has anything to say about spiritual, the word spiritual, uh, take that as a new. Kelsey's giving me the no. Okay, so um, our last our last word on the what? Why did I do that? Say it. Why do you do that? Oh, because I want you to talk. Um, so the. The, it did it work. worked. It worked. Uh, the last word we're going to define tonight, because it's tonight when we're recording this, um, is the word grace. Now, let's really, really dive deep and think about this one. Um, <laughs> just jump on in. Um, what, what does a normal college age or just young adult think of when they hear the word grace? Grace grace is more uh, I, I think people see it as oh well I can do anything I want and there's no repercussions ever period. And part of that is true. Um, there, You can do anything, but there is a repercussion. The repercussion is Christ hanging there on the cross. And that's, that's where I think the disconnect with grace is, is that they, they think that there's nobody has to pay for anything. And the payment was made when Christ was hanging there on the cross. 
I don't think most people know what that word means. Yeah, I would I would say that as well. Uh, d- d- don't break the mic, good gravy. <laughs> Are you going to talk, Joshua? Thanks, I Joshua. agree. <laughs> I agree. Good gravy, was that the one that he stole from me? What are you waiting on? Just talk. Oh, okay. D- didn't do it. Nick is going to talk about the biblical one. Let me give him an introduction real quick. Hold on. This is Nick Douglas, everybody. This is Witten College Podcast. Okay. <laughs> you got to turn the mic on if you're going to talk. <laughs> he didn't have the mic on for those of you who couldn't Joshua turned it off, by the way, guys. Uh, anyway. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. What's the biblical definition of grace? So for the for the biblical for the biblical view of grace is... Getting what you don't deserve, like receiving what you do not deserve. And as sinners, none of us deserve anything. We deserve, we deserve hell. But, but, but Jesus, he, he died on that cross and he died on that cross and through dying on that cross, he relieved us of eternal damnation through grace. Thank you for that very insightful uh, insights, Nick. That, that was good. That was good. That was good job, Nick. That was a good job. Were you going to talk, sir? Who, me? Oh, Josiah, you gonna, you, is there anything you'd like to say? Because you, you just look like you were trying to say something. Pitt hasn't said anything in a while. I think you yeah, should. I think you should weigh in a little bit here. What uh, what's your opinion on both the biblical and secular definition of grace? I don't think many people would be able to define grace secularly. Okay, you got to talk into the mic. Secularly, okay. people would not be able to define grace. Biblically, I mean, Nick kind of said it, kind of chopped it up in little pieces and then said it, but it's just something you, it's just something you don't deserve. Like, we don't deserve the chance to have salvation. We don't deserve the gift that God offered us on Calvary by taking our sins and taking our sins and wiping them away we just we we take it for granted a lot and don't realize that nobody deserves that and yet everybody has the chance to get it and even as christians we forget that and i know me personally i don't think of it like that i don't think of i have the greatest gift ever Everybody can get the greatest gift gift ever, so why don't I take advantage of the people I come in contact to with and show them that? Uh, I think when mo- I think when most most people, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're all having trouble talking tonight, guys. <laughs> we never said we were okay, 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 okay. I think when most people think of grace, uh, they just think of forgiveness, as in, like, people who have some concept of it, they just think of, oh, well, I'll forgive you, don't worry about it. But they don't understand the difference between 
something like that, and God's grace. They don't understand the difference between God's grace and me just saying, oh, don't worry about it. Because that's not true grace either. Because God's grace forgave all of us of all sin. God's grace loves us even though we don't deserve it, as Nick and Joshua have said. Um, But that's the difference. God's grace is unmeasurable, and it goes beyond any understanding. And that's what people don't understand. They they've all said it. Just another spin on it. Grace is a story where the hero died for the villain. We are the villain. That that's who that's our role. Christ died for us so that we could be co heirs to the kingdom of God with him. And that's the best way to describe grace for me. Alright, well, I think I think we've pretty much got it. Um Unless anybody has anything else to say about Greg. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode of Witten Radio Podcast. Um, I don't really have an outro that I've planned yet. But uh, next week, we are going to talk about an article on faithstreet.com that talks about taking Bible verses out of context and using them against non-Christians and just in daily situations. and uh, That never be... happens, though, does it? Oh, of course not. No. No, no it never happens. Uh, yeah, don't judge me. That's one of them. That, it's like a top ten list, and I love top ten lists. I don't know about you guys. I love lists. I love top Let me ten tell you. So... Uh, we're going to read this article before next yes, week. Yes, we're going to read yeah. this article. Uh, it's going to be up on our Facebook page. Uh, Apparently not, since nobody here does their homework and studies. That's very true. Um, but that's not very true at all. That's actually inaccurate. Okay, so, yeah, uh, the article is going to be put up on our Facebook page, so feel free to check that out. And read What? Oh, our Facebook page is Witten Radio Podcast. We are still new at this. We are still new at this. Uh, like I said, haven't figured out the outro yet. But uh, so, our uh, look at our Facebook page, which is Witten Radio Podcast, and we will um, have that article posted for you to uh, read. And that way, when we start discussing it, you'll be um, really knowledgeable on the situation as well. So. Uh, This has been Andrew Cook for Witten Radio Podcast, and we'll see you next week.